Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello and welcome to Commons People, the HuffPost UK politics podcast with me, Owen Bennett, Paul War, Ned Simons and Graham Demonic. Let's kick off right away with the big story of the day today, Thursday. Labour is embroiled in a huge anti-Semitism storm. With uh, Ken Livingstone, the former London, suspended after he claimed Hitler was initially a Zionist. Livingstone waded into the row over whether Labour MP Naz Shah should be suspended for social media activity dubbed anti-Semitic before she was elected last May. Shah, who defeated George Galloway in Bradford West last year, shared a post on Facebook called Solution for Israel-Palestine Conflict, Relocate Israel into the United States, with the comment, problem solved. She also shared another post using the hashtag IsraelApartheid above a quote saying, never forget that everything Hitler did in Germany was legal. Initially, the decision was taken not to suspend her, and she gave an apology in the Commons yesterday afternoon. I accept and understand that the words I used caused upset and hurt to the Jewish community, and I deeply regret that. Anti-Semitism is racism, full stop. As an MP, I will do all, everything in my power to build relations between Muslims, Jews and people of different faiths and none. I am grateful and very thankful for the support and advice I have received from many Jewish friends and colleagues, advice I intend to act upon. I truly regret what I did, I did and I hope, I sincerely hope, that this House will accept my profound apology. However, after the apology, she was suspended by Labour while an investigation is carried out. You thought it would end there, but no. Today, former London Mayor Ken Livingstone claimed the posts were not anti-Semitic and Hitler was a Zionist before, quote, he went mad and ending up killing six million Jews. Fellow MP John Mann called him a Nazi apologist when he confronted him outside the BBC earlier on. Here's a clip of that. Disgusting racist. Rewriting history, you're a disgusting racist. You're saying it's not true. Yes, you're a lying racist. Really? Why don't you go and check the history? A Nazi apologist. A Nazi apologist. A Nazi apologist. You're a disgusting Nazi apologist, Livingstone. There's also a clip now of John Mann and Ken Livingstone when they went head-to-head on the Daily Politics. Hitler was not a Zionist and, and... To suggest so is so grotesque. It's calculatedly offensive. I think you've lost it, Mr Livingstone. I think you need some help. It's a deliberate, calculated attempt to cause problems, to stir up hatreds. Uh, What are you on at the moment? You certainly shouldn't be on Labour's national executive. Earlier today, I caught up with Labour MP Wes Streeting. Uh, We actually spoke before Livingstone was suspended, which he'd already called for, to get his views on the whole issue. And here he is revealing that uh, he and other Labour MPs had called for a meeting with Jeremy Corbyn to discuss anti-Semitism and it hadn't actually uh, been arranged. There has been a strength and tone and I thought what John McDonnell said was absolutely bang on. What we're not seeing is that reflected in 
in actions. I mean, it's all very well, you know, farm ones are all very well, but where, where is the action? And, you know, even today, the meeting that was promised betwe- between Jeremy Corbyn and Labour MPs on the all-party parliamentary group against anti-Semitism isn't even in the diary. We've been told it will happen sometime after the May elections, but that doesn't reassure me that it's being taken seriously. And, and the really disappointing thing is that we made that approach to Jeremy, not to go in and beat him over the head about the anti-Semitism issues in the Labour Party, but to offer to help, to give some practical advice on how the Labour Party could improve its uh, approach. And had this meeting taken place already, the Labour Party might have been better equipped to um, to deal with it. So the meeting was in the diary today, was it? And then it's, well, it's been No, canceled. no, the, the, the meeting was never arranged. Even today, we still haven't got a date right. for that meeting. And I just think this is totally unacceptable and unsatisfactory. Um, this is a serious issue that is damaging, deeply damaging, the reputation of the Labour Party. And it's not just Jewish voters out there that are questioning whether the Labour Party is them. It's lots of just decent-minded people who don't like racism. Would you feel comfortable campaigning on behalf of Nashar now? If there was an election tomorrow, I don't see how I could campaign for Nashar, given what she said. Um, I think her apology was sincere and heartfelt and she will be judged by what she said in the past. She can't escape from it, but she will also be judged by her actions in the future. And the reason why I found what Naz wrote on Facebook so shocking is because it really jarred with my experience of working with her for the last year. I've only known her since we became MPs together and in that time I've seen her committed to tackling all forms of discrimination including anti-Semitism, promoting diversity, wanting to work with different communities, the LGBT community, Jewish community and I believe her when she says she's sorry and that she accepts that what she's done is wrong and she understands why but I think she's got a long road ahead to win back trust, not just from people like me, but also from the Jewish community and other people um, across the country. So, uh, I mean, what a day. It's been absolutely bizarre, hasn't it? It's, I mean, scenes. Scenes, I mean. <laughs> Extraordinary it, scenes. It started off with, oh, let's, let's go back to the beginning, right, of this. Let's just, then we'll come over to, onto the, the bizarre Ken Livingston thing in a minute. Nashar, should she have been suspended? What did she say, Paul? Well, you can see why people like Jeremy Corbyn and people in his office, their initial reaction on seeing uh, a post on Guido Fawkes' website revealing that she'd done this stuff on Facebook before she was an MP and copying a post saying that Israel should be relocated to the United States. Um, now, you can, I know for a fact that people around Corbyn, if not Corbyn himself, felt that actually as mad and as silly and as crass as that was, it wasn't a hanging offence. And so they, they didn't really treat it properly seriously, you might say, on the Tuesday night. Now, um, some Labour MPs said that's the point at which he should have sat down and had a word with Nashar. As it happens, he waited until Wednesday morning, the day of PMQs. PMQs is backing up. They're all distracted about PMQs. And so they just wanted to do it in a sort of cursory manner. And they, they effectively said, no, let, let's hold it. But the, that's what's interesting about this whole affair, which is there are some people, it goes to the heart of it, there are some people who think still, including Ken Livingston, that what Naz Shah did was actually not anti-Semitic, that it was silly, it was daft, it was, it was crass, um, but it wasn't anti-Semitic. In other words, it was sort of... 
Uh, almost as like youthful exuberance, you might say. For She's a, not youth, though, is she? No. She's not a teenager. These are not 10-year-old posts. These were, what, nine no. months before she came in MP? Yeah, absolutely. But the, there is a point here, which is that there's a battle going on for how to define what is anti-Semitic and what is anti-Israel. And there's, there's two camps, very firm camps within Labour, which is, one is it's obvious, you know, they're, they're kind of the same. And the, another camp, and the, it, one bleeds or curdles into the other. And if you start talking in these terms about Zios and Zionists, and you, your language becomes quite aggressive, then you attract all the flotsam and jetsam who re really, really are Jew haters. And there's the other camp who say, actually, look, these are two very, very different matters, and we've got to make sure, that in the interests of democracy, that they're different. And so that's why it's, a, it's fascinating. But it's not just about sort of what one person said or pedantry. So Graham, let's talk about the process of this, because initially Jeremy Corbyn said that he wasn't going to suspend Naz Shah, and his spokesman gave a sort of slightly bizarre explanation for why he wasn't going to do it. Uh, yeah, I think the explanation was that he wasn't going to disown her, basically, is that, the, is that, is that what it comes down to? I think, and, and, and the problem with not kind of nipping the, the, the story in the bud and this being becoming a bit of a, a, bit of a process story is that it's, it's kind of now dragged on for, for most of this week, but also... In the wider context, it's it, it seen within the, the problems with the Labour Party in the in the Oxford University um, and, and and other issues as well. So this is kind of kind of been spreading for for quite quite some time, and and and, and it's happening at just days before a local election when mm. the, the party should be on the front foot about um, taking the Conservatives apart and, and why you should be voting for uh, uh, Labour councils for Sadiq Khan in, in London. And actually, we're getting distracted by an issue that, that most people aren't really going to... That's really going so to extraordinary, understand. isn't it? You know, a week before the local elections and the media's covered with Ken Livingston talking about Hitler. It's absolutely... Yeah. Well, it's, we'll, we'll come on to that because I just want to dwell on the fact that Corbyn said he wasn't going to suspend her. She gets up. She's, she's already written in, in, the, in the Jewish press an apology, started with the words, I am sorry. She then gives an apology in the Commons, which most people consider to be heartfelt and sincere, and even people like Wedge Streeting, who's spoken out against Antimus, as we just heard, said it was, you know, sincere. And then Corbyn, and then she is suspended. Yeah, but my understanding is that as, because of PMQs, this is, this is the problem with it, PMQs got in the way of this whole process. So if you're, if you're in PMQs prep, you spend at least two hours preparing for that. You've got to cover everything. You've got to make sure you know what you're talking about. So that kind of came... In a way, this isn't to justify what Corbyn did, but they came at the wrong time. And so once PMQs was over, they very swiftly found out that the, many of the shadow cabinet were determined that the, she, the Nashar should be suspended. Lisa it was, Nandy, of course, yeah. saying on daily politics she Absolutely, be but yeah. others privately, and, and that it was an open and shut case. And so they, the leader's office knew all that before she made her Commons apology and knew that that apology would then only be one part of the process. In other words, you try and show your heartfelt that you genuinely regret what you said before you're an MP, and then you submit yourself to the process and say, right, investigate me, you know, and suspend me. But I think the belief is that actually, and, that, you know, Andrew Percy, the Tory MP, came out in her support saying he, he did believe she was genuine in her regret. As did, as did the synagogue in Bradford, where she works as did they her local said, synagogue. Is, yep. We are very And so, here. you know, you can see there's a process hmm. here whereby she will come out of this at the other end, uh, still as a Labour MP. She'll get reprimanded, slapped over the wrist or whatever. This is all separate from Livingston, of course. This is, yeah, but we'll that, yeah. I, I think what is significant, though, is that Naz Shah, in many ways, is typical of that community that she actually represents in Bradford West. 
it is a common place for this kind of stuff to be disseminated on the internet by Pakistani British Muslims. There's no question. It's a commonplace. It's not unusual. That's why she probably thought in posting or reposting it, there was no, nothing really controversial. And that's what's interesting. Um, a friend of mine who is a Pakistani uh, Muslim uh, is constantly amazed how over the last 25 years, his community has somehow, which has never had any communication or interest in the Palestine issue, suddenly is interested in the Palestine issue. And he says, you've got to think about why that is. And the reason is, it's about the Jews. And it's, it's, that's where this becomes a question of anti-Semitism. Because there is no strategic interest in a Pakistani having any knowledge or, or, or territorial interest in what's going on in Israel. But in, it's seen as, oh, well, the Jews are, you know, we've got to do something to make sure that the Israelis and the Jews are not doing over our people. And, and that I find really interesting. That's, that's a shift that's happened in British uh, Muslim community over the last 20 odd years. And you, you could say she's representative. And this morning, only again, you, that's why you had Rupert Hook on the, on the radio defending her and saying, look, it might have been daft. But again, Rupert Hook, you know, she's got a similar background. She's heard this stuff. They've all heard this stuff. The problem is perhaps that Naz Shah was speaking the truth of her community. One, one point on Hook, actually. She's given an interview to, I think it's Russia Today tomorrow, where she kind of reveals, when she was on Today programme this morning, saying that uh, Naz Shah had kind of made silly, you know, silly posts, where she hadn't actually seen a lot of the things that Naz Shah had said. So she's done a kind of follow-up where she says, actually, having seen all the evidence, kind of walking back some of the stuff she said in that Today programme interview, which was a bit of a... But just, just picking up on what Paul said, though, and this is, I think this is an interesting point here, and this is a conversation I was having yesterday with MPs, if you're going to get people who are not PPE students, become political advisors, you know, and then become MPs, i.e. people that have lived in the real world, we all know that people in certain communities sometimes will say things when they're younger or, or there'll be a, a conscious thought that they, that when you take it out, they go, actually, I didn't really mean that. People, you know, people, if you go to football, you might sing a song that you think, actually, I should, maybe shouldn't have said that, those kind of things. So if you want people from that community, from outside of the political community to come in to politics, do we not have to accept that sometimes these things will be dug up and therefore they shouldn't be castigated? Or well, not? Well, up to That's a point. You, you can cut them some slack because of their social media history. And obviously, you know, if the things we all said in our youth, you know, you wouldn't want them repeated if you're a politician. But unfortunately, that, that's, that, that's the rules these days. Them's the rules. You know, you've got to abide by the fact that it's all going to be out there. And also, there's a difference between something you say in your youth and something you say just one or two years before you're elected an MP. I mean, Nashar's kind of Facebook posts weren't, you know, were 10 years ago. Exactly. They, were, they were two yeah. years ago. Yeah. And I think that there is an important difference there because we've all done stupid stuff when we're a lot younger. But it's not that It's worth giving some context, though, to, to that actual post that she reposted, this thing about Israel being moved over to, to America. Now, that graphic was intended as a bit of black humour, believe it or not, not as a sort of, you know, a vicious, vile, anti-Semitic trope, but actually a bit of black humour at a time when there was a lot of anger about Gaza and what Israel was doing in Gaza. Now, I'm not justifying it at all, I can understand why people in that, that community felt, actually, let's, let's joke about this in a black, black way. Now, obviously, it causes massive offence because, in my opinion, I think a lot of people are right, it tips over the border um, of, of, of being deeply offensive to people because it questions the very existence of Israel. It's, it's supposed to be a joke about Israel, but actually the joking about people being relocated to America. And why America, by the way? Because there's a lot of Jews there. Well, and also it said because in the post it said because America, according to the post, spends a lot of money helping Israeli defence force and that kind of yeah. stuff. So there's that kind of save the money, 
movies Israel to you as opposed to that was the, yeah. the kind of yeah. difference. Anyway, so we had that, and then we had, like I said, that slightly car crash interview from Rupert Hark today on the Today programme. And then, as he has to do, Ken Livingston gets involved. And he starts off by doing something on, on London Radio, and I think we've actually got a clip of him uh, with Vanessa Feltz, where he makes these extraordinary comments um, about Hitler being a Zionist. Let's have a listen. She talked about relocating Israel to America. She talked about what Hitler did being legal. And she talked about the Jews rallying, and she used the word Jews, not Israelis or Israel. You didn't find that to be anti-Semitic? Oh, it's completely over the top. It's not anti-Semitic. I mean, let's remember, when Hitler won his election in 1932, his policy then was that Jews should be moved to Israel. He was supporting um, Zionism, or he went mad and ended up killing six million Jews. But the simple fact in all of this is that I mean, Naz made these comments at a time when there's another brutal Israeli attack on the Palestinians. And there's one stark fact that virtually no one in the British media ever reports. In almost all these conflicts, the death toll is usually between 60 and 100 Palestinians killed for every Israeli. Now, any other country doing that would be accused of war crimes, but it's like we have a double standard about the policies of the Israeli government. So Ken Livingston says that, and then he decides to go on daily politics. And we heard the clip there of John Mann earlier. We heard John Mann having a game before he gets to the studio. Ken Livingston's now being suspended. I mean, Graham, this is, we, you and I watched this sort of unfold. Yeah, we? and he started, he started last night as well. He was, he was on uh, LBC last night. So he, he was kind of preparing the ground perhaps for what was his, his, bigger, um, his, his bigger intervention today. And he made, uh, he made the first kind of comments about how um, defending... Now, Shah saying she uh, isn't anti-Semitic, and you would have thought that was probably probably done the job. But no, Ken has pretty much toured the studios uh, today. Despite insisting that he'd rather be sitting in his garden. Yeah. I yeah, think this and podcast is the only uh, thing Kevin Nielsen has not been on. Well, you say yeah. that. Well, we did invite him, didn't yeah. we, via, the, via, via social media. Um, but it's been extraordinary, and it, and it, has, and it has prompted, as, as many have, as have pointed out, this kind of thick of it-like uh, scenario where you've got kind of um, MPs brawling on stairs and um, the, the, the media pack following Ken as he um, uh, has a comfort break in between his... In between <laughs> his being in chased down the street with it by dogs. Um, well and it's extraordinary. But and I remember a, a number of weeks ago about a story about how Ken was going to be doing less media, um, given that the, um, the negative impact he's had since... Um, since his profile has risen uh, on the back of the return of of Corbyn and, uh, and the left, you know he was in, he was involved and, and still a co-governor in the in the defence of I'm not yeah, can't quite remember where we are. But he was having a, a an influential uh, say perhaps in in the future of Trident. Um, but I think apart from kind of quite apart from rolling back from doing more media, I think he's doing less media. I think he's doing more than he, more so, than he ever so has. As we talk, Livingston's been suspended from the party and it's also called to suspend John Mann. Paul, I understand you've been, you've been sort of keeping abreast of this. By the yeah. time this goes out, we're well, recording this now around about 20 to 4, so you'll hear it hopefully about an hour or two later. This well, might be old news, but yeah. Paul, go on. The, there is, I mean, I've been told um, by some people who know what they're talking about that there was a discussion between Jeremy Corbyn, who today was up in Grimsby and Hull doing a visit when this whole Livingston thing exploded and I understand there was a discussion between Jeremy Corbyn uh, down the line to London to his office and there was a discussion about 
well, if we suspend Ken Livingstone, well, shouldn't we suspend John Mann as well because he's brought the party into disrepute? This has played out live on TV, etc. Now, they didn't go that far. In the end, it's uh, Rosie Winston, Chief Whip, who's going to discipline him or call him for a disciplining, John Mann. Give him a nice cup of tea but and biscuits, surely. The, the people I've been talking to, you know, in, in Labour MPs are, are outraged that anyone in the leader's office could even think of any kind of equivalence between the two sins of losing a rag uh, as a chair of the anti-Semitism all-party group, which is what John Mann is. It's why he's so, you know, virulently involved in this um, and, and vehemently determined to stamp it out. Um, and Ken Livingstone and everything he said, not just over a couple of days, but several weeks. Um, so there's that set row going on. But something that is important, it's worth mentioning, is that people around Corbyn smell a rat throughout this whole affair. They think this is just another example of the right of the party within the PLP, who've never liked Corbyn, wanting to get rid of him and seizing their moment. So therefore, you know, it was, there was a coordinated you might say, series of tweets by lots of people, former Shadow Cabinet members, who really went for Livingston this morning. Um, now, they may or may not be right about that. They may all just coincidentally have decided to go for him. Um, what Livingston said was indeed, you know, worth being suspended. But there is another battle, a much bigger battle, about the future of the party under Corbyn. And Ken, being on the NEC, was always a key part of that big battle. And there's a battle going on because Ken is supposed to be you know, running again to be on that NEC. There's a series of elections going on that you and I are not going to vote in, but really, really matter the future of the Labour Party. Uh, and now he's suspended. I'm pretty sure Ken won't be on the NEC. There, and the significant moment today was when John Landsman, who happens to be Jewish, happens to be really close to Jeremy Corbyn, happens to be one of those people who thinks this distinction between anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism is a really important one, he totally withdrew his support from Livingston today. And that was significant. And I think as a result, let's see what happens on the NEC. The right of the party might be, have their tails up right now. Let's see. Okay, so let's, yeah, thanks. let's move it on now. And uh, earlier this week, plans to bring unaccompanied refugee children already in Europe to the UK were defeated in the Commons. The government believes children should be taken from refugee camps in the Middle East, as those already in Europe are, according to the government, in safe countries already. But not all share that view, and here is Labour's Yvette Cooper earning applause in PMQs yesterday. Speaker, the Prime Minister has just suggested that child refugees alone in Europe are safe. There are children's homes full in Italy and Greece, and over a thousand children will sleep rough in Greece alone tonight. How are they safe? 10,000 children have disappeared in Europe. How are they safe? The agencies say that children are committing survival sex. They are being abused, subject to prostitution and rape. It is not insulting other European countries to offer to help. They want us to help. So will he reconsider his position on Alf Dubb's amendment before it comes back to the vote and stop with his attitude to lone child refugees putting this House and this country to shame? Now, Graham, you caught up this week with uh, Lord Dubbs, Alf Dubbs, who has really been behind this, uh, this campaign to get 3,000 children in. He was someone who was rescued from Czechoslovakia under the Kinder Transport Scheme, wasn't he, from the Nazis? So he's sort of trying to revive that. So just, uh, you know, talk through that. Yeah, so Alf Dodd, many people might not know who, who he is. He's an 80, 83-year-old uh, Labour peer. He used to be a, a Labour MP in the uh, late 70s and, and early 80s. Um, 
And, and he's very much been leading on this campaign to bring uh, thousands of, of refugee kids from, um, from Europe, not from the, from the camps in, in, in the Middle East, which the government has agreed to, um, but, but from, from Europe in, in kind of similar situation to, to kind of what he found. He says, obviously, there's a big difference between the refugee crisis and the rise of, the rise of Nazism, but, 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 but there are some parallels. Um, and his first attempt to um, uh, have his amendment... Um, uh, when MPs voted on his first amendment and he got to the immigration bill, that was that was thrown out earlier in the week. Um, um, but his second amendment has been successful. Um, it doesn't specify bringing three thousand uh, children as the first one did, but but com- would commit the government to the principle of agreeing to a number of of, of, of people uh, of, of children coming here. Um, and I had I had a chat with him and and asked him um, specifically what he. What his reflection would be was if if this if this campaign failed, how, what would that say about Britain? Yes, yeah. I, th- I think I think it'd be shameful because to have an issue which is so 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 large in terms of the world, in terms in terms of Europe, and and our unwillingness to make make even a small significant contribution to that in terms of the people we take. Now there is a government's program for vulnerable um, twenty thousand. That's that's over five years. No, that is tiny when you think a million in Germany and so on. It's absolutely yeah. tiny. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's shameful that, that we've said no to unaccompanied children. Yes, I do think it's shameful. And I think in the future we'll look back upon this and say we went through a very bad period there. Now, it's a rare issue where the Daily Mail moves slightly to the left of David Cameron, but that's what's happened today, right? Yeah, so the, the Daily Mail, who, as, as themselves admit, have had a fairly robust policy on immigration over the years, I think other people would disagree with the word robust. Um, what, they, what word would you use? Uh, I, I, I'm not using my own words here. I think it's been um, robust is, is good enough, shall we say. Um, but they've come out um, in, in, in favour of the, of the Dobbs Amendment, um, sympathetic to it and putting pressure on the government to uh, back a, a, a limited um, amnesty, I suppose, of, of, of bringing um, um, 3,000 kids into the, into the UK. So that, that's significant in as much as the, the male being the kind of voice, of voice of Middle England, which is very much where the Conservative Party are. I think Cameron's now under, under, under quite a lot of pressure and, and his MPs are under a lot of pressure to to vote in favour of the, Dub- the Dubs Amendment. I think there was quite a big backlash, um, particularly on social media, to, to, um, to, to Tories who, who didn't vote um, in favour of this the first time round. So I think they'll be thinking again, and if you're reading the kind of uh, reading the runes on this, you're probably seeing where the, where the direction's going. Reading, so, the, reading the runes. Reading the runes. Yes, yeah. indeed. Is that a Lord of the Rings thing? Yeah, no, it's... It's, <laughs> it's an accepted it, phrase, yeah. I think. Is it as good as uh, Bien Pensant Liberal Elite, which the Mail included today in their piece? I, ah, I didn't read it. They've been labelled racist by Bien Pensant Liberal Elite. Is that right? I don't know what that means. It means no. right thinking, Bien Pensant. Oh, no, what's interesting but, about the Mail was as um, Alf Dubs was so impressed, he told us, yeah. by, 
by the fact that the Mail had backed his argument in a great big leader in its inside pages, that he actually told us, I welcome the Daily Mail's support, so much so that when I heard about today's editorial, I went out and bought the paper for the first time Who in my life. Who buys papers these days? Stop living in the past. 83 years. He's 83 years old and he's never bought the Daily Mail. Well, there you go. On Twitter, that what, got quite, what a, quite to, a big reaction. What a way to ruin your, block your copybook. <laughs> you waited 83 years, Al. You did it. Isn't there a, 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 a bigger point, perhaps, linking the two issues that we can talk about today? Oh, is that the Labour Party... The, the, this is an issue where the Labour Party should have been hammering the government on you know as as we heard earlier Yvette Cooper is very strong in PMQs on it but Jeremy Corbyn didn't mention it at all in PMQs his his three his six questions sorry were (coughs) almost identical to the six questions he asked the previous week which are on which are on academies now this is an area where where where, where the government look weak the Labour could be strong and they're 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 not kind of punching the punching the bruise on this one I think after two very good weeks at PMQs Corbyn dropped the ball this week because he really should have gone in on refugees. There's no question he would have hit the zeitgeist. He would have made Cameron feel embarrassed in front of lots of MPs who are uneasy in the background behind him. Those who abstained, and 10 of them abstained, don't forget, this week on Monday night, felt kind of though they sat on their hands and they were uneasy about abstaining rather than voting against government, but huge pressure was put on them by the Tory whips. In the end, the vote was a majority of 18. Now, if it comes back, when it comes back again in two weeks' time, after that mail piece and after all their constituents read it, there may well be a change of heart. And if it only takes all those 10 to vote for the Labour amendment and suddenly the government's defeated, which is why that mail piece matters and why it may well be that David Cameron should seize his initiative and avoid that defeat and do it himself and say, right, I'm going to hold up my hands. I was wrong. Look, this Dubs amendment is good. I'm going to do it. This is a lead us on nicely to uh, Stat of the Week. Ooh, Ooh. Stat of the Any Week. Any jingle? Thank you for saying it, because I was waiting. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. no, I've heard from an, an Tory MP listening to this show, Yeah. and he said to me, I like the Stat of the Week. I said, it's a bit of a rubbish joke about not having a jingle. And, no, no, keep doing it, because it's so rubbish, it's got to become funny again. At it's, come, it's come full circle, right. It's, okay, it's coming full circle. Okay, Stat of the Week. Um, I was stitched up last week. Am I, is, am I going to be Your inability to up? read is not my problem, do yes. um, Okay, so stats of the week. The Kinder Transport Scheme brought about 9,000 to 10,000 children from Germany, Austria, Czechoslovakia and Poland to Great Britain. Some 7,500 of these children were Jewish. Many went on to become prominent public figures, with at least two becoming Nobel Prize winners. They were Walter Cohn from Austria, who won the Nobel Prize for Chemistry in 1998, and Arnos Penzias. Owen, would that be the right pronunciation? I mean, you've written it, so is that the right pronunciation? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, from Germany, who won the Nobel Prize for Physics in 1978. Excellent. So, actually, interesting stats. It's it? phenomenal, isn't it? Two out of those well, Kinder Transport with Nobel Prize winners. It's just phenomenal. It was four. I couldn't find the other two. So, if you look out there, listeners, and you know. I heard it was three, but there you go. Oh, well, there we are then. But it's two. It's I a good stat, even though we're not sure if it's <laughs> yeah. accurate or Anyway, not, in what was a busy political week, it's easy to forget. One of the most momentous strikes in NHS history took place on Tuesday and Wednesday. Around 35,000 junior doctors, about 78% of the total number, failed to turn up for work between 8am and 5pm on those days. The doctors are opposed to a new contract imposed by Health Secretary Jeremy Hunt, which they argue will undermine patient safety but ask them to work longer hours without breaks and will see them paid less for Saturday work. But the government believes the new contract is needed to create a truly seven-day NHS 
Eve Hartley, uh, one of the video team here, went out and spoke to some junior doctors who were protesting. And here are their messages for Jeremy Hunt. Jeremy, you are destroying the best, the most equitable, the most efficient health service in the world. That is the admiration of the world. Do you really want that to be your legacy as a politician? Jeremy, do you really want to be the health secretary that ends the greatest health system in the world? There are 55,000 junior doctors who want to speak to you right now. Please come and talk to us. So, Mr Hunt, you've repeatedly misrepresented statistics and misled the whole population. And we're all standing here together. Like, There's 37,000 doctors who disagree with this contract because we truly believe that it's not safe and that it will lead to poorer care for our patients. And that's obviously not what we want. So please, Mr Hunt, please talk to our representatives. Uh, we don't want to talk too much about the junior doctor strike because, you know... Well, it was, was it overshadowed by, you know, the, the, the Hillsborough... Uh, Absolutely. Let's, let's I mean, there was so much news this week. It was, there was so much to talk about. And in a way, I think that was quite lucky for the, for the for junior doctors yeah. because, you know, and for the Labour Party, who were in danger of being exposed on that issue as being, you know, on the wrong side. But, but the reason why we're talking about it is because this is what I've done the quiz about. Right? Ah! Okay. The quiz oh, is called What's Up, Doc? Which I think I've already done a that, quiz with that title we, before. Yeah. I think had this you already. might have used that. I think before. so. You're repeating a quiz like I'm Corbyn repeated his What's a dog or quiz you say your cultural reference points are limited. What I'm saying is, cartoons well. what's our dog? Right? It's a great movie. I'm going to give you some names, and you've got to tell me whether or not they are also qualified as doctors or not. Okay. <laughs> okay. If what yes, then uh, yes, you're a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> And if no, Doctor no. Quackers. Doctor no. Quackers. Yeah, Quackers, all right? Doctor no or Quackers. Anyway, so Thank these you. are these medical doctors. Medical really? doctors. Medical. Not like yeah. Not just shut just up. PhDs. Ready? Say just. <laughs> Seven years work. Yeah. Anton Chekhov. <laughs> Graham. Was um, Anton Chekhov a doctor or not? I was thinking that's Quackers. I don't know. You're no idea. That. Sounds Quackers to me. Quackers. Th that so. means that quackers means true. Quackers means not true. Oh, what's oh, okay? I, I think it's not true. Yeah, yeah. You think it's not true? You don't think he's a doctor? No. He was a doctor. Right. Oh. Uh, all right. <laughs> Medical doctor. Medical doctor. What was his speciality? <laughs> Just making people G feel better. GP then. Go on. HG Wells. H.G. Wells. I know we're not really in the realm of politics yeah. anymore, but he, he founded the Fabians, didn't he? Well, barely worked. Um, no, I, I don't think so. Quackers. No. Quackers. I don't think he, he was. No, you're right. He wasn't a doctor. Uh, Michael Crichton. Author of Jurassic Park. <laughs> Um, was he a doctor or not? Yeah, Maybe I think he, he was. was. He I seems to have was. a bit of expertise about epidemics and stuff. So, and yeah. Let's say yeah. ER, of course. I was going to say, yeah, involving in ER. Is that the um? Ah, is that is that the red herring? Yeah, he sold us a dummy there. Um, I'm gonna no, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say he's a, a real doctor. Whatever he, he is answer. a real doctor. You're right. Okay. Um, Arthur Conan Doyle, author of Sherlock. Yeah, Pins. I think we knew that. But I, 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 <laughs> Jesus. I, I don't, don't know if he's a doctor or not. Uh, yes, no, I, I think I think he is. He, he is a doctor. Ah. He was a doctor. I mean, he's not anymore. He's yeah. dead, but. Uh, okay, so the last one. Liam Fox. <laughs> Vince Cable. Oh, come on. He's a doctor of economics or something, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, no, it's a nice. Exactly. So he's not a medical doctor. Quackers. You're right. Uh, Fidel Castro. <laughs> Hang on, I thought you said last one. I know, but I've got a list there. Castro. Castro. Um, Ooh. 
Wasn't Che was a real doctor, but Castro wasn't. I think that's right. Is that right? I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the war here. Is he like an honorary doctor? Honorary medical doctor? He wasn't a doctor. He was a lawyer, I think. Uh, I and think well, he was who I was, right? And finally, finally, John Grisham. <laughs> John Grisham. Grisham. Well, it's because you've uh, done Michael Crichton. So balancing it up. Um, I know. He's a lawyer, wasn't he? Yeah. He wasn't a doctor. You're right. New doctor. Uh, some MPs are doctors, though, aren't they? Yep. Go yeah. on. Yeah. Liam Fox. Name is a few. Dan, Dan, Pol- Dan Poulter. Dan Poulter. Yeah. Dr. Sarah Wollaston. Yeah. Tanya Math- Mathias. Mathias. Yeah. Yeah. You can't speak, can you? It's been a difficult week, anyway. But we'll leave you with David Cameron uh, deciding for some reason to just take the mick out of Nigel Farage during Prime Minister's Questions. Farage or Farage? Graham, what do you say? F- Farage. Idiot. Roll the clip. Does the Prime Minister think it makes more sense for us to listen to all of our closest friends and allies around the world or to a combination of French fascists, Nigel Farage and Vladimir Putin? Yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad he takes the, uh, the English pronunciation of Farage rather than the rather poncy foreign-sounding one that he seems to prefer. I think that's a thoroughly good thing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.